You're listening to the Writers Off The Page podcast. Here's your host, writer, reader, journalist, and lover of soy latte, Sinead Maripodi. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me on Writers Off The Page, where I sit down with authors to find out the story behind their stories and their top tips for getting published. Mike Lucas started his career writing funny poetry anthologies and visiting schools and libraries to encourage kids to create their own silly rhymes. His first picture book, Olivia's Voice, was a 2018 CBCA notable book, followed by Vanishing, Let's Build a House, and most recently, Let's Build a Backyard. Mike Lucas, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now, I'm really intrigued and a little bit confused by the number of career hats that you wear. (laughs) Is it right that as well as writing kids' books, you're all, you also own a bookshop and you're also a full-time engineer? I, I do, exactly. So the full-time engineer is the um, is the one that pays the mortgage. That's the one that um, I've been trained. That's why I'm in Australia, basically, because I've, I've got a degree in engineering. Um, the bookshop is the one which um, my wife runs, but I get involved behind the scenes. And the writing is really the career that I really love. That's where my that's where my heart is. And um, they're a really strange mixture of... Um, of should I say skills? I suppose they are skills. Um, I call myself cognitively ambidextrous. I've got both sides of my brain working um, at the same time. So yeah, it's a really, really because a lot of a lot of authors, especially children's authors, are either teachers, journalists, or they're somewhere in the child in the child um, you know, working with children in some form. Mine is definitely a totally different kettle of fish from what so I do today. How do you find the balance between them all? Um, well, obviously, I've got to do my day job. So my day job, which I get paid for, um, I have got to uh, go to work each day. Saying that I'm working from home now recently, which which is absolutely fabulous for for the lifestyle uh, that I like to lead. Um, and really, right? I mean, book, I say the bookshop. And my wife does a really good job. She runs that by herself, pretty much single handedly. I, I do just do all the bits behind the scenes where nobody, um, you know, nobody sees me, which is probably just as well. And um, I get that done in the weekends or in the evenings. Uh, and to be honest, to a certain extent, it's we've we've run it for ten to twelve years. Twelve years, twelve years. Yeah. So it it's a pretty it it runs itself in a way. We've got into the habit of what needs to be done on a regular basis. Now the writing, obviously, the writing is the bit that I need to squeeze in between all the gaps between all of that. So I mean, a lot of if I'm writing picture books. A lot of it is thinking, just thinking all the time about ideas, because the hardest thing about writing a picture book is getting the idea, I find, an idea that hasn't been done before. And that is one of the hardest things. So all the time, you know, I, if I walk in the dog, if I'm driving along, if I'm running um, when I'm going off to sleep, so I get, I get off to sleep by thinking about ideas in a show. I think every time I think of ideas. So that's there's all that's always working away as for sitting down and writing it. I can write a picture book quite relatively quickly. Now, I'm not going to say it gets published, but an actual picture book, I can sit down and write the first draft in a couple of days once I have the idea. But it's going to take, it can take me weeks, months to get that idea. And then I need to obviously redraft it. And then it, it's a good chance it'll get turned down anyway. But um, yeah, it, it's a, I really, I, you know, my sleeping hours are, are diminished by the fact that I need to uh, keep busy. Uh, time to sleep later, apparently. Yeah, I hear. <laughs> so tell me what I've read, obviously, in your bio about you starting writing originally with poetry. Is that yes. right? Yeah, well, yes, definitely. Yeah, um, I used to live in Switzerland, or my family as well used to live in Switzerland. 
and they moved back to the UK a couple of months before I did in 2002. So my children were then four and six years old. And when I should have been working as an engineer, I would, because I, I always used to read to them every night, you know, my, I would read to my kids till they were about 11 or 12 every night. So when they moved back to the UK, I missed that. And hopefully I think they probably missed it too. So while I was at work, I would start to write them silly poetry and then send it back to them, email it back to them. Um, that's too, that's how email was probably just, yeah, it was just starting to use emails quite a bit then, 2002. So I would email it back to them. And then it was a few years later um, that I decided to run the London Half Marathon for UNICEF. And rather than just asking people to sponsor me, I thought I would put together a little book containing the poems I had written. And I had about 25 or so. And I, I, to be honest, I, again, I wrote poems. I wrote 99, basically, in a few months. 99 poems. because hundred. Yeah. Well, 100 was a bit too sensible. I didn't want to hit the 100 mark, <laughs> but that's, that's sticking to the rules a little bit. So I did 99 poems, um, and I found a printer, and I literally self-published myself, literally <laughs> learned how to set out sheets, PDF, page numbers. And the only thing I paid for is somebody to do a, a simple um, a simple design for the cover. And, yeah, and it sold. I mean, I, I got 200 printed, which doesn't seem very many, I don't know, but for somebody who had never written a book, 200 sold. Um, and all the money went to UNICEF. I like to think it's not all sympathy. It wasn't all charitable donations. Um, because I, got, I printed some more and, and then I went on to you know, do, another, do more books with 99 poems in. And I eventually ended up doing not five books with 99 poems in. And as I say to the children, a lot of the children, um, some of the poems are really rubbish. <laughs> because it was, I was practicing. I was, you know, I was working when I was practicing the art. So sometimes I made some really... You know, some real mistakes in, in poetry, and I look back and think, "Oh, that's the meter's not good," or "Oh, that's or grammatically incorrect." But it is nonsense poetry, so I can, you know, I can get away with things with nonsense poetry. So, how did then did you go from poetry to then your first book, Olivia's Voice? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think 2016 was my last book of poetry which I published, and I was, I. I was going to give up. I, I tried writing a few manuscripts um, for picture books, and it, it, it's quite an art. I mean, a picture book, it, it, it's some, there are some simple things you need to know for a picture book, like how many pages to set it out on, you know, maximum, you know, don't go over 500 words. Some people even say 300 words. There are simple things like that. And I tried writing a few picture books, a few short stories as well, and I really was getting nowhere. And um, I remember, and this is, I, I, I often say this to children how good some positive reinforcement is to get you going again so I was thinking of just giving up writing I wasn't getting anywhere nobody was picking up my work and I actually did say to my wife I think that's it I'm going to call it quits and about and I couldn't write I had writer's block there was no more ideas coming and then about a week later I had a an email from a, a guy called Ken Nesbitt and I don't know whether you know Ken Nesbitt he was the US poet lawyer at the time mm-hmm. He had seen some of my work online and he was putting together a book which was going to include works by Lemony Snicket and Judith Vioris. And it's he wanted a couple me, of big names. Just a couple <laughs> of big names, just a couple of big names, and little old me. And he wanted me to actually write some poems to it. So going from not being able to write any poems, within a week or two weeks, I'd written 19 poems and sent them off to him. And that's positive reinforcement. I know this is a long-winded story. But that's a lot of poems to write in a very short amount of time. I know, I know. And it it was called a one minute, it was called one minute to bedtime. So it was a lot of poems which would take about a minute to read. 
I even wrote one called one the one minute poem, which I often read in classes, which should take me exactly a minute to read, and I get the kids <laughs> to time me. Sometimes I'm two two seconds out. If I'm nervous, if I'm nervous, I'm because I speak fast. I'm about three or four five seconds too quick. But sometimes so it might take the average person a minute and a half to read it, yeah, based yeah, on your normal that's... speed. But yeah, for me, so I got my motivation back, and I, I remember talking to um, someone, uh, Phil Cummings, um, down at a book launch, and he really gave me some advice about how to set out a book. And I did actually sit down in an afternoon, and I know people are going to possibly dislike me for this, and wrote Olivia's voice um, very quickly. And it was, and it wasn't poetry, you know, it was, it wasn't rhyming. This is, this is, it's a beautiful book. Uh, about a young deaf girl and it, it's just prose it's not it's not poetry but I seem to then get on the and and it wasn't a case it, it, it's also a case of immersing yourself in the industry so I got to know people I got to know Anna Solding who owned Midnight Sun and I did a radio uh, interview with her which was nothing to do with my book but I just happened to mention that I'd written this manuscript and she said to send it in and there you go and it and yeah she, she took it and it my first picture book became a CBCA notable that's crazy. That is amazing. And also you wrote in an afternoon. So you said before that obviously the writing time can be quite quick, but that doesn't factor in all the thinking time prior to exactly. that to formulate, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, I, there, there, are so, there are so many picture books. I mean, only the bookshop I know, we get, what, 50, 60 pictures books in a month, and that's not all of them. So they're all ideas. So they've, a lot of them have been taken. So you really need to think, start thinking of something um, which, which is original or original way of telling a story. And it's so difficult to um, think of as, as time goes on, you know, more and more of these slots are being taken and then you, it, there's nothing left for you to write about. So, um, so you've got to think about the originality and, you know, whether you're going to write something humorous, something moving. Um, but when I get the idea, then that's it. You know, then I can sit down and do it and, and write something. It's quite a talent. I have so much respect since trying to write a picture book. For me, longer form novels are easier because I have more words I've got more freedom but that pressure of a picture book and being like you said less than 500 words less than 300 words that pressure that every word counts and to get the story out in that time it's a real talent it's so hard to do it it is it is hard to do and and to add on to that if you want to make it rhyming and metered then you've got some other constraints which, 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 which you put on but yeah, it's um, I, I know. I mean, there's no, there's a lot of people that I meet say, yeah, I've written a picture book, and I, you know, I've got an idea for a picture book. But it is, I think that's why it's one of the hardest markets to get mm-hmm. into because everybody has got a picture. You know, a lot of people have got a picture book in them. But yeah, to cut down that word count and to get it to how it, you know, flows perfectly, and to get it to be to, that the publisher will take it is a real. I mean, it, it is skill. There's also persistence. There's also patience and there's got there's got to be a little bit of luck as well because you've Mm. got to get it to the right publisher at the right time different publishers are are looking for different for different themes and so it's getting to know and once you've got your foot in the door you have got the contacts there so it's good you know you don't go on this definitely I think there is a little bit of naivety out there if people haven't tried to write a picture book as well everyone's like oh I was reading this book to my kid oh, yeah, I could write a book like yeah, that. Yeah. I could do this. And I'm like, oh, sit down and have a go. See yeah. how you go with that. <laughs> Some of the best picture books are the simplest ones. I, John Classen. I love John Classen books. Have you done with you the hat with, with a hat? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just so simple. But he's he's obviously he's an author and illustrator, so he's you know Evan Blaby, fabulous. He's pig the pug. What what a market to get into. Um, and, and don't let the pigeon drive the bus. <laughs> there are definitely some very very clever picture book horses out oh, there. I think once you've got if someone's got the knack for it, it really shows. It's they yeah. stand out. So let's talk your latest picture book being Let's Build a Backyard, yeah. and that follows on from Let's Build a House. Yeah. Now my nephews absolutely love it. My son's only eighteen months, so he's a little bit too young for it but I was even watching him in the backyard following my husband around and his fascination for everything with the garden and I was just watching and thinking about your book and thinking yep I can see how little kids would love this I'll get you to tell everyone about it first before we before I waffle on too much yeah okay so um what let's build a backyard first so let's build a backyard is the sequel to well not really a sequel although that's got the same characters so it's a follow-on from let's build a house um and as opposed to Let's Build a House, which was, because I'm an engineer, which was mainly focused around construction. Let's Build a Backyard brings in the nature side of things. It brings in the sustainability, the animals, the fact that you can um, you can have all of this nature right outside your back door. So if you plan your, your backyard right, you're going to end up with a little bit, of, a little nature reserve at the back of your house. It also helps children to look into the sequence of, sequencing of events. So how would, you know, how would you start with a project? I mean, I'm a project manager. So how, when you do a project, how would you start with a project? And how, how would you run through what would be the first thing you do the, and run through to the end? Uh, and, and Darren Parton has done a fabulous job again of capturing this little child and their, fa- their father um, being involved in building this backyard. Uh, he's captured the colour, the, the perspective, the action, the detail. There are so many things in there for children to look at. So it's a... Yeah, and I'm a bit of a, I'm not going to say hypocrite, but my backyard, (laughs) I was going to rent some people's backyard, my neighbour's backyards for some photo shoots for the book, because we've got a black Labrador and three cats. So the sprinkler system's gone, there's metal. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you whether you had in fact built a brilliant backyard based on this, but. (laughs) Based on this, I am getting there. So because I've got a, um, go on podcasts like this and talk to people like you about a backyard i actually met costa a few weeks ago coincidentally brilliant we were doing an event i met costa i got a signed copy of his new book costa's world i've read it and it's really enlightened me so i've I've built a beer hotel yeah it's good so i've um i've started composting and i have redone all the sprinklers i've had loads of soil delivered and i've even made a raised garden bed with herbs in it so i'm a changed person purely because i can hear you based it, on it, meeting costa it, but also your picture book it is i mean if this can change if this book can change me by having to talk about it hopefully it'll influence children and their families to look at doing all these things themselves I just love that it's such an engaging, gorgeous book. But then at the same time, for kids as well who are so outdoorsy or just love seeing what their parents are doing out in the garden, yeah. it's practical as well, like this sense of, you know, digging and laying the re-tick and every little step yeah. is in there that they can go, oh, yeah, we've done that. We can go and do this. Oh, let's let's do some composting because we've seen it in this book. It's so refreshingly different. Yeah, it's, I mean, children, to get children outdoors, uh you know, involved in these things, it is fabulous. And it's also, you know, the steps, it, it's, it's got that, that um, 
ingredient that every picture book needs to get kids involved. It's got the word poo in it. <laughs> well, that'll but, do know, it. That'll get it across the line that, for sure. You know, if, there, if there's a secret to a picture book, it's put the word poo in there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I have to ask, so the original idea for Let's Build a House, is that one came first, did you have your engineer hat on for that one? For Let's Build a House, yeah, more of the engineering because even though I'm a mechanical engineer and this is construction, yet this is how you would build, that really is how you would build a house. You know, you'd start, you know, it's some things are obvious, like starting at the bottom and, and working upwards. It's so that, yeah, that my engineers had to not, you know, it's not an instruction manual. I often say, you know, don't go, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be sued for somebody following the instructions and having their house folded. Okay, home. not a how-to guide. No, it's not, not a how-to manual. But yeah, that was more of the engineering side of things. Uh, I mean, very much building, to be honest with you. But yeah, every, everything that is built, everything that has to be built has to be engineered by some somebody, even down to a brick. Every brick that goes into a house, an engineer has said that that brick will do its job. So it's, you know, everything we see is, and science is, science engineers, flowers engineer themselves. Everything you see is engineered by either by yourself, by a person or by, by nature. In terms of path to publication, how did you go getting the book across the line? Uh, so actually, it was I was with an agent, Justine from Mayfair Literary um, Agents. She, I pitched the Let's Build a House first of all. So that was a because I've, Justine was trying to push me to obviously to use my engineering to do something with my engineering because, like, as I said before, there are not many children's authors out there who are also engineers. So to push something to do with engineering so I sent her the let's build a house uh, manuscript which again uh, you know, had to be rewritten several times you know it's always even with your agents a back and forth mm-hmm. a few times to um, I think it's probably the second or third attempt at getting the meter you know finding what that meter is and then putting the onomatopoeia you know getting something that the kids can, can can get involved with and then I think it's just you know, said, so look could you think we could put it into a series so again within a few, I'll say a couple of months, I'd written about five of them. Oh, wow. So, so can we expect yeah. to see more then? Well, I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see on that one, yes. We'll have to see how well these go. Can but I yeah. ask the nitty-gritty, with um, going back and forth with Justine, you said you sent yeah. her a few versions yeah. of yeah. it. Yeah. What was the big feedback? What should people be looking out for in their own picture books? Oh, I don't know that there was anything particularly wrong with the first. It's just, I think... Sometimes agents and, and publishers, they know what they want, but they don't know it until they see it. So sometimes it's just, uh, no, this just isn't working. Um, I mean, if you're, writing, if you're writing a rhyming book, you've really got to make sure the meter and the rhyme is perfect. I see so many um, rhyming books out there which the meter isn't correct. You know, the, 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 the rhyme is, can be easy, but the meter... And the other thing is, you've got to read it out loud. So when you write a when you write a poem, you've got a rhyming text. You've got to read it out loud. Sometimes people will say things differently. So because of my accent or because of my dialect, I might say something a little bit different. So sometimes it works for one person and not another, and that's mm-hmm. fine. But sometimes I see things and I think, oh, you just got to add one more word or one more syllable or take something out to get that meter perfect. So that's the rhyming. If I, I had some to- interesting advice on that recently, actually, um, because I love writing and reading and rhyme as well. I had another picture book author say to me, you know, you should get someone else to read it out loud and don't 
let them hear you read it first and just yep. hear where they stop up or the different tune because particularly if someone doesn't read a lot of rhyming books, then you get kind of what I guess the average yep. person is going to sound like reading it, which was an interesting yep. way of looking at it and quite quite helpful. 100%, 100% because, yeah, because sometimes I'll read my own work knowing where I'm stressing the words already. Mm. And even an example, but if I leave it for a month and read it again, I'll think, how did that? How was? How did I think that was a meter? And then it'll take me a while again to, to think. Oh yeah, that's how it. So yeah, getting somebody else to read it is a really good idea. Brilliant idea, yes. Um, but as for, as for just general picture books, I'm always told we need something commercial. You know, we need something. And if, if I knew what was commercial, if anybody knew what commercial was, I don't think you know what commercial is until <laughs> you actually write it and it sold thousands of copies. Then you know it's commercial. <laughs> but to get that secret, I don't know. And and trends change. I mean, a few years ago. All of the books were these interactive books, like uh, the book with no pictures and, you know, don't, don't lick this book and things like that. There was all these interactive books. And I sort of started writing on the tail edge of that. And now they were all, you know, a few of them were, I was actually told, oh, it's just, you know, a couple of years ago, yes, we'd have taken it. But there's so many books like that out there now. Well, that's the hard thing with trends. I suppose when you think about by the time you sign a contract for a book, yeah. typically you're looking at like 18 months before it's on shelves. So trends by then, by the time you've written it, by the time you've gotten it across the line with yeah. someone, a lot yeah. can change, can't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, a picture book's definitely at 18, a picture book's 18 months at least because they've, you know, by the time they've okayed your, your manuscript, they've got to find an illustrator and illustration are more... I, I, you know, writers aren't going to like me for saying this, but illustrators put so much work into a picture book that, that I know it really is. You know, I know we have the ideas and, and we, we're for ages thinking about them, about the um, the words, but illustrate, you know, the work the illustrators put in, they're um, underestimated sometimes, I think. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it can take a long time. I, even, I mean, I even once had a manuscript accepted, signed the contract, but then it was cancelled. So you can go as far as even having your contract. That is terrifying. Don't yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah, I know, and then having it cancelled. Wow. Because, thing, because things change, because trends change. Okay. So I should mention, so as well as this picture book, you also have two other books coming out this yes. year. So we've got What We All Saw. Is that your first young adult novel? That is my first YA novel, yes. So that's coming out in, um, uh, well, end of May, May 31st with Penguin Random House um, or Penguin Australia. And that one I wrote, it's actually some, some, a very unfortunate event which caused me to write that one. So about, because, of te- I mean, writing a novel, you know, writing a picture book, I say working full time, every, I can squeeze in a couple of stanzas, you know, in, in a couple of evenings. But to write a novel really needs to sit down, you need to sit down and actually uh, write uh, regularly for several hours each day. Mm-hmm. And about in, in 2018, I, well, I've always, I, I nearly lost the, eyes, the sight in one of my eyes when I was 16 from a detached retina. And I've had laser treatment in both eyes. Um, I've had laser treatment. I've, my right eye is totally welded around to keep it up, keep the retina on. But in 2018, my retina came off on my left eye. And unfortunately, I had seven operations in seven weeks. But unfortunately, they, did, they couldn't save it. They couldn't save my sight. So I lost the sight in one of my eyes. But during that time, I had four or five months off work. I decided to write, sit down and write a novel. So I came up with this, this novel, which is um, set in 1970s England. And it features one of the protagonists, one of the main characters is an 11-year-old girl who has been blind from birth. 
So I turned the whole negative experience into a positive experience. So I'm, re- I'm very excited about that one coming out because uh, I say I've, a lot of my heart uh, you know, soul went into, into writing it. How did you go writing on a computer while your eye was in the shape of Well, one? yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've only got one eye that works now, so it's, you know, you can, yeah, I mean, it, basically it was going in, you know, going in for an operation, coming back, resting for a few days, finding that it hadn't worked, scheduling the next operation in and in between. You know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of time to sit down and think and reflect and, try to take my mind off what was happening happening and it's not many times in life you get four or five months off work where you um you where you can where you have the time and, it, and i just yeah I, you know I, I could still i could still see, obviously see with my right eye and it was just yeah i it, it, i'm amazed myself that i did it then i'll be honest <laughs> with you I, I want to look back and blindly yeah how did i really sit down with all that going on and, and write a novel but uh, but it eventually got picked up, yeah. So it got picked up. Did you Penguin. enjoy writing for that market as opposed oh, I to books? I, I loved it. I loved it. And I've just actually finished another one. So I'm just um, hoping, hoping, fingers crossed. So I do actually, it's a total different um, experience. The, the picture books is that, yes, that's a great idea. Let's, you know, write it down quickly and um, and uh, capture it and, and send it off. The novel really is a, time consuming it, it takes a lot of dedication a lot of discipline where i'm sitting down uh, on a regular basis and writing you don't need to write much to write a, to write a novel in a year i mean 80 was a, a ya novel this one this one's over 80,000 i mean 500 words a day it only takes you know that's 80 days or 160 days isn't it so it's um you can wait if you write 500 words in a day and, and the first draft of a novel in six months but it does take time. And at the minute, I'm not writing too much because basically I'm still working full time, still running the bookshop and I'm promoting these books. So even, even, even when you've written a book, the promotion yep. takes a lot of time. So there's a lot of them um, you know, going out to visit schools and libraries, which I've always got. That's how I spend my holidays. So my annual leave is spent working on <laughs> visiting, <laughs> visiting the schools. <laughs> and but you've also got a third book this year. You've got The Christmas Train as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's coming out with Heidi Grant, uh, Little Hair, in for Christmas this year. So hopefully it'll be around in October. Uh, so that's my first Christmas book. I love Christmas. Yeah, I'm a bit. I'm a big Christmas fan. Me too. I can't wait yeah. for that one. <laughs> I, dec- I decorate the house every year with loads of lights and yeah, like Griswold. So you talk about obviously the juggle of full time work and trying to write around it. Yes. I know you said you get a lot of a lot of it is thinking time. When do you find is the best time for you to sit down and actually get the words on the page? Probably for me, the weekends, I think. Weekends is the time when I will write. Uh, and as, as I get in, that's to begin with, as I get further into the book and I get into the characters, I think it gets more addictive. I think, oh, you know, I want to find out what's that. So I want to just keep writing then. And I mean, I, I took six weeks off at Christmas to do the second, to finish the novel and then do a redraft. So I actually took six weeks off for long mm-hmm. service this must to do that but yeah it'll be sometimes I'll, I'll get to when i when i've i think once i've got over the um because this is a really busy period i've got two books out in two months maybe after a couple of months after that i'll get into writing every day again and putting some um and it's nothing better than getting a manuscript accepted to give you the impetus to work back onto the new get onto that new manuscript and carry on going 
you know, it just every when you get something except yes, that's it, right? I want to I can really push on with the next one. It gives yes, you a you real want. Yeah, it, it does. It does. So you talked about the I guess the difficulty of defining that what makes a book commercial. Mm. Given your wife you, you and your wife have the bookshop, has that helped you understand the market a little bit and oh. helped with your own writing? Yeah, 100%. I mean, my, my wife, as well as running the bookshop, she's a booking agent, so she represents about 50 authors and illustrators throughout South Australia and interstate as well and puts them into school. So we are very immersed with the with the industry. We also know, um, I'm a member of, as, as, if anybody's thinking of writing any kind of children's books, they should join SCOOBY, which is a Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, S-C-B-W-I, SCOOBY. Um, when you, when you go on their website, you pay in US dollars. It seems very strange, but you pay in US dollars. Don't let that put you off because some people get there and think. But yeah, that is a really good way, joining Scooby, to meet authors and illustrators who have, some have written zero books, some have written 100 books. So you're really able to share their experiences. Mm. And we gave a talk, my wife and I gave a talk to Scooby uh, last time we had a meeting of things not to do in a bookshop as an author or illustrator. Okay, lay it on us. What are the, yeah. Give us three things. Oh, three things. Uh, one, just don't, make, one, make an appointment. Don't go into a bookshop and lay it on the table and say, I've written this book. Like somebody, some people have done, I've written this book. Um, how can I, you know, what are you going to do for me on it? What are you going to do for me on it? Well, really, Nothing. you know, you need, yeah. And they expect, they expect you to promote their book for them. So you've got to be prepared to promote your own book. Uh, probably don't expect your book to be at the front of the shop when you come in. <laughs> why? You know, some of you get out. Why is it my book at the front of the shop? Well, we've got ten thousand books. <laughs> um, and I think maybe what's the other one? Oh, don't go in and turn all your books to the front. <laughs> we all do it though. Put Just do that sneaky move. Put sneaky, it to the yeah. front. Oh, that's fine. To be honest, that's a little bit. Hard, so I think that's pretty good. I just, even things like understanding GST and understanding, you know, if you're, especially if you're self-published, understanding that bookshop, what kind of discount bookshops want um, and the fact that bookshops have got to pay GST, whereas a, a self-published author or a lot of authors in the States don't pay GST. So there's a difference in cost in there. there you know, there are, uh, you know, a lot of things, there's a lot, a lot of, there's some business learning to do as well when mm. you're writing a book, when you finally get one um, published. How important is this relationship between the author and the bookshop? Because I think we've got a lot of aspiring writers listening and perhaps in that early writing stage where you haven't signed a contract or perhaps you have signed a contract and you haven't got your proper book yet, you might be thinking that, you know, well, that's the publisher. The publisher is going to go sell it to the bookshop and do all of that. So where does the author fit into things to help? Yeah. So the publisher will sell your book to the book. If, you, if you're with a publisher, so the publisher will put your book in the bookshop. However, like next week with, with Let's Build a Backyard, I'm going to, I've already contacted, because I know to contact them beforehand, not just turn up often, <laughs> after, just not just turn up at a bookshop, especially on Christmas Eve, not a good time to turn up at a bookshop for a book signing. So I've, contact, I've contacted all the bookshops in, in, or in, Adelaide, or in Adelaide to say, can I come in next week to sign some books? So it's up to me really to, con- to contact those bookshops to go in and, and, and sign books. It's always good if you're a customer of that bookshop as well, if they know you. So it's always good to um, you know, just spread yourself around some bookshops and go in there so that they know you a little bit. Uh, but yeah, your, your publishers will do a certain amount, uh, but they also expect you to be active on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, 
Twitter, but I, 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 can't, I can't, it takes a lot of time as well. Though. That's the problem. So you can't, you can't necessarily do them all. But yeah, you've got to go out and, and push yourself and, and um, contact schools, contact you know schools and libraries to give talks. If you, there, there, there are um, rates. There's the ASA rates for going and talking at schools. So if you go on the ASA website, they give um, recommended rates of pay. Uh, don't undersell yourself and don't oversell yourself. You know, when you're just starting out, maybe um, just start off a little bit lower, but also don't undersell yourself. Don't go offering stupid rates when you're going into schools because basically how the ASA get their rates is based on what people have been charged the year before. So okay. if people are underselling themselves, the rates next year will be lower. Uh, so if you can you know, find you know, booking agents to, to go to schools or, or, or if, you, you know, if you've got young children yourself, just go and, it's always good to have a practice. It's less pressure when you're not being paid, when you're just practicing, going and visiting schools. So it's sometimes good to visit your children's schools, your own children's schools, and go and you know, offer to uh, just go and talk to do a reading or something, just get that little bit of confidence and know what works and what doesn't work. It's a that that's a that's a long journey to know what kids enjoy and what kids don't enjoy. Have you had any interesting experiences on that? Any jokes really fall flat any traumatic visits that you can oh, share to help I, people i had a traumatic very traumatic visit once to a library where um, i had 300 children turning up on the green and uh i had my I, I like to have props i like to have a lot of props things to point at and when i got there i loaded them into the boot of the car and when i got to the this it, even makes me feel panicky even thinking about it and when, I, <laughs> when i got to the library and open the boot the boot was empty and just as 300 children are starting to arrive and sit on the grass and I thought well I know I put all this stuff in the boot and what had happened is the boot had flown open on the way there and everything had flown oh, no. and I, I wondered why on the on the way to the library all these angry drivers were beating me and flashing me oh. <laughs> it, was on, it was on the central reservation about 20 minutes back from the so what sort of props had you lost along the way? Oh, I lost like a white a whiteboard for drawing on. I've got a, as you do, I've got a brain in a jar, like a, a, a plastic brain do, in a yeah. jar. As you do, I don't know, some, all the pens. I love that you didn't hear any crashing behind you with a whiteboard flying No, it's amazing. I did not, but we did, I remember saying, because my parents were over from the UK at the time. Typical, because, you know, just from <laughs> <laughs> one time they come to, come to see me talk and it's like, oh my goodness. And um, no, I mean, to be fair, when you go into these things and you've got 300 children, your nerves are a bit fraught and you're focused just on one thing. So um, yeah. that, that the moral of the story is to make sure that the boot is properly closed. 100%, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and have a backup. Have so a what backup. did you end up doing without all your props? I, I, I ended up just talking to them. So it's, um, yeah. But it's obviously, I always take two memory sticks with me as well. With a, like, two, I put it on a laptop plus two memory sticks, one in my bag, one in my pocket couple of pairs of reading glasses can never <laughs> be too prepared back up back up your back up is always a yeah um, so no i mean no, no, what i what i often find that with schools when i'm talking to schools is if the teachers enjoy it the children enjoy it if the teachers often you'll see children turning around looking at the teachers saying are we allowed to laugh well that's interesting so if the, yeah if the teachers are laughing the children are usually laughing as well but that's funny because, you know, you said that Pooh sells a picture book oh. and I could see the kids laughing more than the teacher they, at that. They, they, exactly. <laughs> well, they, they do, yeah, exactly. I mean, and I often get kids to write. So when I'm doing poetry workshops, I get children to 
um, help me write poems about made up words because made up words is a brilliant you know to get kids to make up words that don't exist so I just say make up a word about a monster um, and no and some people will say bogeyman or something. I say no words that don't exist like a smurgle or a flummoch or a, you know a cloppet or something just make up something and then they get into the hang of it but usually at one point in you know I ask them well what does it what does it do for a living? What does it enjoy doing? And, and at some point, the word poo is in that poem. Just about, I guarantee it every time. Um, and it makes everybody laugh, you know. <laughs> Human ever dies. So aside from your 50 million books that you've got coming out this year, what else are you working on at the moment? You said you've just finished the other YA, is that right? I just finished another YA, so that's with a publisher at the moment. So I'm hoping to hear, hear about that at some point. Always working on, I mean, I've sent, three manuscripts off today to a publisher so you know picture but it's i have got an agent as well so it's um so i send things through through my agent um which and that's always confusing for for authors as well you know so it's you know what's the difference between going to a, a publisher and then going through an agent to a publisher uh you've got to really first of all get something published to get an agent and that doesn't guarantee you get an agent i think an agent really helps you get past that slush pole mm. so it helps you get it straight into the hands of the publisher uh you know so once you've been published you can go through go through that but yeah i'm, look, I'm always working i'm actually trying to write another ya novel at the minute based in victorian england because i'm he might be surprised well, he might not be probably won't be surprised but my family my my, my victorian era family were circus entertainers oh wow yeah so they were i get lorenzo the lion tamer um, who tried to get an elephant on a train because they wouldn't let... Sorry, he walked, he walked an elephant from Edinburgh to Liverpool because they wouldn't let him on the train with it, which, you know... I think got to, <laughs> apparently, apparently, when you've got an elephant, you've got to book ahead for something like that. Um, I've, got, I've got a great-great-grandfather who killed himself and nine other people with a firework explosion in 1865. Oh. So blew, he blew up a house. So I've got a very interesting family history. So I'm trying to take some of that... Plenty um, of you know, ideas got, for a story in there. Yeah, I've got Punch and Judy artists and somebody who stood in for De- Fred Astaire in the dance sequences. So, yeah. And we could potentially see more in the Let's Build Art series. Hopefully, that would be really good. Yeah, I mean, you can, you, it's endless, isn't it? Let's build. You could, everything gets built. <laughs> I'm interested to see where it goes. Mike <laughs> Lucas, thank you so, so much for your time and for your beautiful books. Thank you very much, Jeanette. And thank you for listening to the Writers Off The Page podcast. Make sure you check out the back catalogue and while you're there, I'd love it if you left a rating or review. It helps other people discover the podcast. If there's an author you want me to chat to or you just want to say hi, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at Sinead Maripodi. That's C-H-E-N-E-E. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.